folks welcome back to the norwood noise podcast we are here with you on martin luther king day monday january 15th myself evan Chival, alongside as always graham griffith here back together again in norwood and what a wild week it was in college hoops we lost the we lost the number one team in the country um they actually took two losses uh becoming i mean houston was our last undefeated team and they take two losses this week going now dropping to one and two in the big 12 amongst many, many other teams in the top 25 after just an upset-filled week here. And we'll talk about all those um, games and kind of go through each of those as we move along through the episode. Um, but, Graham, I'm going to turn it over to you first. I'm going to let you open with which, to you, what was the most shocking upset of the week? We'll go through all of them at once, but off the top of your head, which one surprised you the most? Yeah, um, first of all, obviously good to be back again. Um, that's two weeks in a row of normalcy, so that's always good to hear um, and experience. Um, the one that I wanted to talk about very quickly was that last week we talked about Houston and how, um, you know, last undefeated team in the country after James Madison fell to the preseason All-American in 21-22, Andre Corbello, Southern Miss. Now, Houston is, you know, in a position to be only undefeated team left. Um, they absolutely destroyed a West Virginia team, and we talked about that they have two tough tests going into Iowa State and at TCU, and how they're going to be able to manage that, and they dropped both games. Um, I think that's the biggest storyline of the week because it showed, like, that was one of the biggest questions of the offseason is, you know, Houston's been so dominant in the American. Are they going to be able to handle this new conference and the week in and week out of every game going to be more difficult than the games that they were playing last year aside from Memphis um, and dropping both games and now their present is to play a newly ranked Texas Tech team that you Are know on the road? no they'll, they'll be at home um, to a Texas Tech team that's 3-0 and in the Big 12 um, after dismantling Texas 20 balling Oklahoma State and edging Kansas State uh, this past weekend, um, that's going to be a, a tough task for them. And then, you know, Houston on the back end of that weekend, this UCF team who everyone was writing off now has double-digit wins, and they just beat Kansas. Um, so they have a really, really tough stretch heading up. And I think that that is, like, the biggest, like, what if, you know, what are they going to be able to do in the Big 12 and then – now it's time for them to respond after starting one and two in America's toughest conference. 
absolutely couldn't agree more and kind of more on the conferences just generally. I mean, we talked last week kind of debating, you know, the difficulty of the Big East versus the Big 12. I think you could add the Mountain West into that conversation, maybe not on that same level, obviously, but just top to bottom having so many quality teams. I think if, if you're just hanging out anytime you see a Big 12, a Big East, or a Mountain West game on your television – uh, and you have the time to watch it, I would highly, highly recommend because I think co- games within those conferences all year this year are going to be phenomenal no matter what. So real briefly, we're going to run through the top 25, and we're going to talk about each team that lost um, this week um, and just kind of roll through these results here. Purdue loses to Nebraska this week. Kansas loses on the road to UCF. Um, North Carolina and UConn both get big wins, so they move to 1-4 and four, uh, after going 2-0 and oh this week. Houston loses twice this week. Obviously, Tennessee loses uh, middle of the week to Mississippi State. Almost lost to Georgia on Saturday as well. Um, Duke gets a couple big wins. They move up back into the top 10. Kentucky takes a loss at Texas A&M. A good preseason team, but as Graham said, he was riding on the the Texas A&M fraud train there for a while. Baylor gets a couple big wins, moves up. Memphis gets big wins and moves up. Wisconsin moves up with big wins. Arizona's the other one we really got to focus on here. Arizona uh, loses at Washington State um, over the weekend. And, and an, again, another really, really tough uh, loss for a, a good Arizona team um, that just needs to needs to settle in here to the Pac-12 because I think that they're really, I mean, with the downfalls of USC, UCLA being completely uncompetitive so far this year, um, the, the, the Pac-12 should be Arizona's easily to win. Um, but the fact that they're kind of in a dogfight right now with teams like Colorado and Washington, which, don't get me wrong, are quality teams and will both probably make the NCAA tournament, Arizona needs to be able to, if they're really going to distance themselves and, and consider the, and see themselves as a uh, national title contender, you need to handle your business against the, the lesser teams in your conference and be able to continue to kind of distance yourselves there. Um, in that Pac-12 standing if you want that really good seed because the problem with some of these teams falling out so hard is that now your your team sheet just looks worse and worse um, even if you're getting wins over you know the third, fourth, and fifth team in your conference. So Arizona needs to continue to take care of business as we move along. And then the other one worth noting too, Illinois, um, really tough week for them. I mean, obviously, uh, Terrence Shannon being absent from that team right now, um, and we're really seeing the effects of that Illinois uh, takes a bad loss to Maryland over the weekend as well. That's not a good one. Got to keep an eye on that one. Um, Oklahoma takes a loss at the Field House. You know, really no surprise there. Um, that's a tough ass to go in there and get a win. They haven't gotten a win there since 1993. Marquette loses a bad one to Butler at home. That was a shocker for me. Um, I don't think I was really ready for that one. Um, so, but good on them for for getting a big win. Um, Utah State continues to take care of business out in the Mountain West. Um, Creighton moves back up a little bit into the 18th spot in the top 25. TCU jumps from receiving votes into the 19th spot in the country after beating Houston over the weekend. BYU drops a couple after dropping one to Baylor this week. Um, Dayton moves up to 21st in the country. Ole Miss continues to move up after a good week. FAU still hanging around in that 23 spot. Iowa State again moves up after the win over Houston. And then Texas Tech got a win over Texas in the past week, and they move up into the 25th spot, rounding out your top 25. Um, tons of other teams obviously receiving votes um, that are, you know, definitely really intriguing to kind of look at. I think there's, you know, like Graham said, you know it's a crazy week when you have just a million teams receiving votes there in the bottom. 
I think a couple things worth highlighting about the teams that are receiving votes is the fact that um, within the top, what is that, seven of receiving votes, we have four Mountain West teams. I think that shows that just nobody is willing to like really, you know, give a, a non-traditional conference that kind of credibility just yet. Um, but man, they're good. I mean, clearly those Mountain West teams are solid all across the board. Um, you've got Colorado State, San Diego State, Nevada, Boise State. Um, all four of those are, are up in there in that top seven or eight. New Mexico is in there receiving votes as well. So amongst all those teams, um, you have a ton of really good quality and really good home court advantages too. I, we saw that in full effect at the pit on Saturday in uh, in Albuquerque. I mean, that place was rocking. Good win for New Mexico over San Diego State. Um, and then moving also throughout the receiving votes, you got a couple other teams worth noting. Big East-wise, you got Seton Hall in there. You got Villanova in there. You got St. John's in there. So again, some more teams in the conversation just showing the depth and quality of those two leagues um, that are definitely worth mentioning. And then I think the other big thing that we got to highlight here, Gonzaga has fallen out of uh, the top 25 for the first time since 2016. That was, I mean, now eight years ago, which is just unbelievable to think about. Um, that's been so long since we haven't had them in the top 25. And unfortunately right now, I think if you take it away from, take them away from the WCC, I mean, they, as of right now, do not have an at-large at resume. So, um, Graham, where do you sit on the Zags, and you know how do you feel about them moving forward? Do you think do you think they still have a chance at getting an at-large resume, or are they going to have to you know rely and hope that they get that two or that get that one seed the WCC with the automatic advance to the semifinals? Um, and and are they going to need to take care of business you know in the in the conference tournament? Um, yeah. So the Gonzaga situation is very um, weird one for sure because this is a team that year in and year out um you just expect to um just be fine in especially on the west coast um which up until recently hasn't really been able you know to get you many great teams um so i i think it's um pretty imp- like it's notable that out of all the years that they've been so good like this is the first year that they have just not been able to, you know, pull it together. Um, I wanted to find out when, you know, last time that this happened, that they weren't in the AP poll. Um, they actually finished um, the year um, as unranked, which is, you know, pr- pretty insane. Um, it was about in uh, December. They weren't ranked for a while, and then they got back up into the 25th spot in, uh, on January 11th. And then for the rest of the year, they were unranked. They eventually made it to um, the Sweet 16, where they lost to um, that Syracuse team that made that crazy run um, right. and made it to the Elite Eight that team. So awesome. um, after ending the season on an eight-game win streak, they pulled it together at the last second. So it really is a testament, you know, how far – long ago um that was that happened and i still think that gonzaga is in a good shape um just because i just can't see this team missing missing the tournament i think if you put them against a resume i feel like there might be some bias you know if you compare them to for example maybe like mississippi state's on the bubble with them and gonzaga's on the bubble if they don't win their conference outright i feel like gonzaga is going to get the edge um, 
But, you know, it is definitely time to, you know, start looking at that situation that there's all this talk about they need to move to a new conference, but if they're not handling business in the West Coast, maybe they're not ready, which is something that I would have never thought I'd say in the past couple of years. Um, other teams I wanted to, you know, touch on real quickly is that this Arizona team is a very, very, very weird team. Um, really often you hear about the teams, you know, play to their competition, but this Arizona case is just so weird because um they started off their conference playing cal cal is not good but they won by um 19 and then they go on the road to stanford and they lose by 18 they turn around and beat colorado which is one of the better teams in the pac-12 right now and they win by 47 they destroy utah by 15 points and then they lose to one of the lower teams in washington state and now what would have been a tough stretch earlier in the year with USC and UCLA, you have two teams that aren't really performing to the standard that we thought we were going to expect. Yeah, I mean, and lottery lottery pick Isaiah Collier is now out for four to six weeks. So that, I mean, that really, really hurts the, the USC's ability to compete in that game as well. Yeah, and the fact that, you know, they have to go through these few games and then they play an Oregon State team um, that has, has one win in the conference, like, it's so weird to me, but I could see them you know, maybe going one and two in the stretch, and then they play Oregon, who's undefeated in the conference right now, and they'll probably beat Oregon by 40. Right. Uh, I only said that out loud because if it happens, I want to talk about it next week. <laughs> right. Um, and then one more team I want to touch on is Ole Miss. Um, yeah. The Ole Miss, you know, situation was a little bit, um, you know, weird when they hired Chris Beard off the bat, and we didn't know what to expect from them early on in the season. Um, this Ole Miss team is now 15 and 1 and their first loss coming in conference play. Um and th- you know they have a, a stretch where we can figure out that this newly ranked team are they good or have they benefited from their schedule because they start this tough stretch of playing at Auburn, who's one of the best teams in the SEC right now. An Arkansas team that has not met expectations, but I still wouldn't want to play Eric Musselman in conference play. And then at Texas A&M is finally starting find their footing after that crazy win over texas i mean tech i mean kentucky kentucky played a good game rob dillingham was unbelievable down the stretch and they still managed to get a win so that that's a testament to what the Texas a&m team can be um you know if ole miss is able to you know walk in um to texas a&m after you know getting those big wins against auburn and arkansas that could be one of the games of the week um in two weeks. I'm really looking forward to see what Ole Miss can do. Um, and I think that's a, you know, a testament of, like, all these teams are beefing up their schedules to start the conference play, and they're coming in with three or four losses, and there's this Ole Miss team who hasn't really had that edge. But I'd want to be 15-1 right now if I were them. Yeah. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Um, so quick, let's do a quick look ahead. I Before we do the look ahead, though, I don't know if you saw this. I was – kind of just scrolling through the next few weeks of of schedules and Saturday slates and whatever, kind of trying to figure out. I was actually, if I'm being honest, I was trying to figure out my work schedule. But anyways, point is, did you see that February 3rd, we get Houston, Kansas, North Carolina, Duke, and Kentucky, Tennessee, all in the same day. We're, that's a 4 o'clock, 6.30, and 8.30 tip. And Xavier at DePaul. Of course. I mean, of course. That is that is the nightcap. I think it's a 9.30 Eastern tip, so it's just going to be a, a great finish for us all day. Um, but really, I mean, it's a, 
pretty uh, a pretty unbelievable slate. Um, but yeah, anyway. So on the note of looking ahead, let's look ahead this week. Um, we've got so Tuesday night, um, Purdue at Indiana probably was, you know, preseason going to be a pretty great game. Now maybe not so much, um, but should be an interesting one. Rivalry games, you know, you never know what you get out of teams. Uh, Baylor's traveling to Kansas State. Obviously, anything in the Big 12 at this point is going to be good. TCU's going to Cincinnati. Iowa State is at BYU. Kansas is at Oklahoma State. And then the nightcap, come on, we're back, baby. West Coast nightcap on Tuesday. Utah State going to the pit. That should be an awesome game. Can't wait to stay up until midnight to watch that one. Wednesday, I think the headliners uh creating at UConn. And I think it's going to be a good one. You're, you're playing in Gamble in stores. Um, should be a good matchup there. Klingon will probably Klingon will probably be back. Um, they, um, but Hurley said in a press conference that uh, Kling Kong watch is officially on, which is just unbelievable from your head coach to say that. But if he's able to be back for that game, I mean, what a game! You know, test to see if he's feeling all right going against Kalkbrenner. Absolutely. Um, as we mentioned earlier, we got uh, Texas Tech at Houston that night as well. Um, Thursday night, of course, as per usual, pretty pretty light slate. I, Illinois at Michigan. See if I mean, who knows what to think of that game? That might be one of the grosser games we watch all season, um, but definitely keep an eye on it. Um, and then as we get into the weekend, um, should be a pretty good slate on Saturday, as far as I know. Um, we got Alabama at Tennessee, which again, you know, you got, when you got a team that chucks thirty threes a game, can always light up for for a single game there. Um, Baylor is going to Texas, which again, you know, Texas under underperforming a little bit, but still can have a will probably have a really solid uh, turnout for that game. Could be an interesting one. Creighton's got to go to Seton Hall on Saturday. That should always be a good one. Marquette is playing St. John's in the Garden, so that'll be a good one. Oklahoma's traveling to Cincinnati. Iowa State to TCU, another good one there. Um, Kansas is going to West Virginia. Should be an easy win for the Jayhawks, but could get a little slippery. BYU at Texas Tech should be a great game. Uh, UConn's going to Villanova, and then Ole Miss at Auburn as well. So those are your games to pay attention to on Saturday. A really good slate on Saturday. Um, and then uh, and then Sunday as well. Don't forget Memphis at Tulane. Just, just keep an eye on that one. It could be sneaky. Um, a sneaky good one there Sunday afternoon. And then we'll, uh, we'll be getting back with you Sunday night and ready to roll on Monday for another big slate next week of college hoops. Um, but before we wrap, we do have to wrap with uh, the Musketeer Minute, as always, of course. Um, Musketeers take a, a really, really difficult uh, loss at home this week, middle of the week, against UConn, obviously now number one team in the country. Really, really solid side. Um, I, I think a, a solid performance from Xavier overall, but definitely not the team's best. And then you turn around on Saturday and you see the team's best. Um Xavier goes into a wounded Providence team, and, and we'll admit that that Bryce Hopkins obviously not not playing will will help um, on the Xavier side of things. But obviously Xavier put together a complete performance, top to bottom. Um, Trey Green, the freshman, had just a unbelievable performance. Everybody was so excited to see him shooting the ball well and really getting things going for the Musketeers. Um, and yeah, just top to bottom, a really solid performance. So Graham, I'll turn it over to you. You were in the building. Uh, in the formerly known dunk, now the amp, um, on Saturday. What was your biggest takeaway from the game, and what what did you see that about this team Saturday that was different from from Wednesday? Yeah, um, I'd like to add just because you, you said something that um, a lot of like the Twitter followings are saying that 
you know, Xavier was able to get a huge win over a wounded Providence team. But let's not forget that we're out two all-Big East players. And I think that the fact that they're starting to piece it together and, you know, the Oakland game and the Delaware game are hard to look past and the Washington game as well, I'll add, now that they're 2-4 and four in their conference, kind of solidifying that they're not that solid of a team. Um, Houston, Purdue, and UConn have all been number one at one point in the season. And every single game you can look at and say that this team showed up. Maybe not for all 40 minutes, but, you know, this is a team that no matter who you put in front of them, I think that they can rise to the occasion. And in the Big East where every game, you know, is going to be a war, um, the fact that, the, you know, this team is showing that they can show up in every single game um, is really a testament to um, the team's trajectory, in my opinion. Um, I think that the St. John's game kind of just, you know, caught them off guard um, after – you know, you're riding high after the UC win. You kind of play um, a below average, you know, Winthrop team. You go into St. John's first Big East test. It's going to knock you and, you know, punch you in the mouth. But then after that, you dismantle a Seton Hall team who's now 5-1 and one in the conference. Our only That's loss. First. Yeah, the only loss being to a Xavier team that beat them by 20. Yeah. And then you go in, you know, to look ahead, Villanova game. You're a bounce away from beating them. UConn, great game. You just, I mean, we completely shut them down at points in the game, but we just, you know, couldn't finish strong. And that's the number one team in America right now. And then you go into Providence, who's very tough to beat at home, that is still formidable without Bryce Hopkins. I mean, Devin Carter might win player of the year Absolutely. if they have, you know, have a better record. I don't think that they'll give it to a below average team, but Devin Carter's all Big East player Absolutely. for sure. And the fact that they were able to do so well there is a testament of the team's trajectory. And I think that everyone on the team, uh, my favorite part about this, is everyone's kind of starting to define their role a little bit better. Um, Abu has really picked it up the past few games of, you know, he might not be in the stat sheet as well, but, you know, his defense and um, defending without fouling is getting a little bit better. And... Trey Green has realized, you know, how to get to his spots. I mean, the fact that he had 23 points, I mean, it felt like it was 40. It did. It really did. I mean, and it felt it felt like, too, like, it felt like he thought that every shot was going to go in. And they, they nearly all did. I mean, he was pulling up shots from pretty much anywhere because it was nice to see, you know, him finally really feel that confidence that he can score with, the, with some of the best in the Big East. Yeah, and... I just thought that that game was just the perfect game of everyone doing their part. And, you know, you're looking ahead to a week where you have two home games and Cintas gives you an incredible advantage and you're playing Butler and Georgetown who are kind of starting to dwell up towards the bottom um, of Big East play with Georgetown being 1-5 and five and Butler's right there with us with two wins. Um, if you're able to get, you know, those two big wins, it really – you know, sets you up to be in a good position because now you're you would then be four and three in the conference, and you can kind of go into at Creighton and at UConn next week with a little bit of you're not as tense. You know, if you drop these games, going to have to try to pick one away from Creighton and UConn is going to be extremely difficult. Um, and the metrics are starting to love Xavier. I mean, it's the fifth hardest strength of schedule in the country. We're now up to 31st in Ken Bomb? It's dropped a little bit. After the game, it went up to 31st. We're now 33. 
Um, and you're looking ahead and you see that there's seven quad one wins on the table, um, you know, for us to take for the rest of the season. You know, and the other, I think the other key factor too here, there's, there's only two quad four games as well. Um, and those obviously being both the DePaul games. So the fact that not only do you have a lot of quad one opportunities, but you also have plenty of quad two opportunities as well to get solid resume building wins. Yeah. And I think that they're in a great, as John Rothstein says, they're in great position to be in position. And now after, you know, the Providence win, um, the strength of schedule getting boosted after Purdue being so good and Houston being so good and UConn being so good, um, it's really showing that, you know, this team is finding their footing at the exactly right time. And it's very reminiscent of the 2003-2004 Xavier team that was 10-9, and multiple losses in the A-10. It was a year removed after David West. I mean, it's the exact, in my opinion, it's the yeah. exact same position that, you know, this Xavier team is in right now. You lose some of the big <laughs> players. You lose NBA players like Colby Jones and Sule Boom. And now... You're starting to piece it together, and, you know, this is the right time to get it going, and I think that they're in a great position um, to really go up to the team's potential that everyone saw in preseason. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, and I'm really excited to see what's to come for the Xavier team. Obviously, I think there's a lot on the table, and, you know, we, I mean, we were sitting around, you know, watching the game on Saturday, and we were kind of breaking it down that, that obviously as as maybe unexpected or, or you know slightly rough as the season may have started um and see tournament potential is not out so I, I think that's definitely something to focus on and with the team starting to find their footing and you know at the right time of the season um you know definitely obviously like we said you know like like rothstein said in position to be in position so time to go get it uh, keep the heads up you know Keep, keep getting to the games, you know, for the students and obviously those that have the the opportunity to get to the games, get there, be there, you know, 40 minutes, be loud uh, for the team and the players because they absolutely can do it. There's no reason to write off this team uh, in this season yet, especially with how good the Big East is this year. So, anywho, we will wrap it with that on Martin Luther King Day. It is Monday, January 15th, uh, and we'll get this to you this evening. Um, hope you all can enjoy this episode. Uh, enjoy the rest of the NFL playoffs this weekend. And, of course, we'll get into some more divisional stuff next weekend. Uh, but we'll talk to you again next week here on the Norwood Noise Podcast. Myself, Evan Schibble, alongside Graham Griffith, as always. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll talk to you again within the week. Have a great week. Cheers.